bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. Welcome, everyone. I'm happy to be here today with another episode of Solo De Facto. Today's guest is founder of Hiring and Empowering Solutions, Molly McGrath. Welcome to the show. Oh, Corey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited too. Uh, I'm going to just jump right into it and ask you the pressing question I have for you today. What's the one thing that you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm? Oh boy. You know, I just had this conversation with a client this morning. I wish that they understood that they, their success is fully, wholly dependent on the people that they employ and that's around them. So they can be very good at what they do, being an attorney, what they went to law school for. And I can't tell you how many attorneys still believe in this mindset that, you know, employees should be grateful to have a job. They should be honored to work at this law firm. Um, They should, their goal is to just come in and do great work, keep their mouth shut and keep their head down and collect their paycheck. Those days are over. Right now, employees are interviewing uh, business owners more than ever, and especially people that have worked in the legal space in the past and have worked with attorneys. This is no uh, discredit at all, but attorneys know that they're very intense, right? They're trained skeptics. They have been trained, classically trained in law school to really um, mull everything over, look at where the loopholes are, look at what have you. And unfortunately, that's how they interact with their employees. Then a lot of times lead with lack of trust and lead with a place, because again, that's what makes them very successful in the courtroom and things of that nature. But right now the legal space is in a massive, massive, um, trouble. The unemployment rate's under 1% right now, and people are burned out for working with crabby attorneys that do not value them as a human being. And I don't say that from a place of being disrespectful, but I own a recruiting agency. I spend all day, every day, as well as my team talking to potential candidates. And when they're leaving law firms, They're telling us, you know, no money under the sun could keep me here because I'm not feeling the connection. I'm not feeling the collaboration. I'm not feeling the humanness, which I think COVID really taught a lot of people. We are all stuck on our couch. And a lot of people, while we can make fun and have jokes that we spend 20 hours a day watching Netflix, most people that I talk to, that's not necessarily what happened. They took great stock of their lives where they're spending time working by and large. And right now there are many, many paralegals, associate attorneys leaving the area of law because they're completely burned out and it doesn't have to be that way. So if you want to be a successful law firm owner in 2022 and beyond, my greatest, greatest piece of advice for you is to really conduct a stop restart 
and look at how you view your employees and what type of culture you are creating for them. That is an amazing answer. I'm so excited to dive further into a couple of those things that I pulled from that. So one, we, I think the, t- the two years that we've spent now in you know lockdown or most places working remotely, we're really understanding how big of a part our work is in our lives. And we're wanting to make sure that that part is just as happy as the rest of the parts of our lives and Mm -hmm. getting that balance of enjoying what you're doing and who you're doing it with. And so the, the information that you just shared about people leaving is really interesting. Um, but now I'm curious what happens if somebody's recognizing by what you're saying that they might be the problem in their law firm, or they might be the reason that these people are leaving or unhappy or, um, not enjoying working for them, what was the first thing that you do to change it and make your law firm a better place to work? Yeah, great question. I'd say first and foremost, if you are not saying you may be part of the problem and, you know, that's the biggest definition of leadership and entrepreneurship and owning a business is that you always have to look at yourself first. It's not fun. It's not pretty. It's not exciting. But if you're arrogant enough to say, oh, it's not me, there's just bad people and millennials and all this other stuff that business owners and granted, I'm a business owner as well, too. But you have to be willing to look at yourself. And what I would recommend, first and foremost, is really make certain that you have a phenomenal coach that you work with, a business coach that is consistently working with you to look at your people. Your people are first and foremost before your process, before profitability, before anything. And if you cannot have a resounding, heck yes, my people are happy and they, you know that they feel valued, that they feel part of it, then you really have to take stock and take a look at each person's, not just, just job description, because so often as business owners, especially attorneys, They look at the job description, they look at the skills and knowledge and what have you. No, you want to look at the human side of thing and the relationship because you are in the human to human business, especially in law. It's a personal services industry, period. It's not a legal industry. It is first and foremost, a personal service industry. And if you have to look at, okay, great. On a scale of one, 10, 10 being the highest, How confidently and honestly can I say that this person is fully, wholly happy in the, in my business, you take stock of it. And then how happy are you with the relationship? And then, and again, the measuring stick is the relationship, not the work product, not the job description, not the KPIs, what have you. And then my recommendation, and I'd be happy to give this tool to any of your listeners is start putting in the fabric and in the foundation of your practice, do an employee growth plan where every quarter your employees, and it's not an employee review. I've done many presentations on why the employee review must die because it is such a one-sided conversation a one-sided relationship filled with so much fear and performance indicators and all that other hoo-ha that really destroys relationships. 
but make certain that you put in your HR policy and within the fabric of your business where you're doing employee growth plans, where it's treated as a coaching session. It's treated as a mentor. People will never, ever leave if they get time, attention, feedback, and inspiration. That is such great advice. And something that Betty's is actually starting to implement too is, you know, how can we best incentivize people through coaching and, and teaching them what is available to them in their career, even if it's outside of Betty's, but helping people advance to where they want to go, because then they're happier when they're working with you because they feel supported. And, you know, it's not always a worry of, um, you know, am I going to lose my job or going home and complaining about how terrible your workday was. If you have people that are understanding and supportive and respecting you, it makes it so much easier to go home and rave about what a great place you work at and to stay there for a long time. (laughs) I have to, I really have to hop on that one, Corey, because you said something so critical. You have to think of this always as when my employee leaves, whether they're virtual in office, what have you, What's the number one thing when you walk through the door or you sit down at the dinner table with your family? How was your day? And if it takes two days, three days, one week, a month of you consistently saying how unhappy and unappreciated you feel at work, your family, and they're supposed to be your, you know, your board of directors, so to speak, are going to start giving you permission to leave. They're going to say, you're not happy. You know, you're bringing this home to us every single day. Why are you tolerating this? Why are you putting up with this? And this subconscious mind is going to start really looking at the lens when they're interacting with the boss, with the attorney in the office, in the law firm, what have you, and really start to ask themselves that question, whether they're aware of it or not. So I always to keep myself honest as a leader, which you are, if you own a business is saying, Hmm, what are my employees saying when they sit at their family dinner table about me, about their job, about the culture that I've created? Are they excited? And like, oh my God, today we had a session with our coach and we went to this, you know, event and we learned this and I learned that. Or are they saying that all I got was scathing emails about why didn't you do this and blah, 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 and micromanaging and what have you. And you really should ask yourself that question. Yeah. That's great advice. So when somebody is trying to just determine if their employees are happy, what are the key signs that they can see to notice when things are starting to go wrong or that they might need to make a change in how they're um, treating their employees? Well, so I would say first and foremost, how you know you have happy employees is that when they are consistently coming to you with ideas and questions and what have you, when you, when there are conversations that they're actually not just shaking their head in a yes check, but they're bantering, they're giving healthy pushback. They're asking the why they're interested in the beginning, the middle, the end and the why. So they, it is engagement. It's a relationship. It's a conversation versus a dictation. So when you have a culture where people, you feel like they have your back. You feel like they're consistently coming to you with proposed solutions. They're questioning why we're doing what we're doing. They're engaged and they're happy. 
you know that if you're getting people that just shake your head or you're asking yourself at the end of the day, what the heck does Susie do all day? I have no idea what have you. That's when you know you have a culture problem, period, end of story. So when you do discover if you do have employees or a cultural problem or revolving door, what have you, what you can do to turn around is very, very simple. Number one, have a weekly standing meeting that you're treating like a stakeholders meeting every single week, same place, same time, and do not ditch it as the leader. When you give, again, your employees time, attention, feedback, opportunity, inspiration, treating it like a think tank, they're connected to the core values, the vision, what have you, they won't leave you. So I'll hear from attorneys all the time. I don't have time to fill in the blank, train my employees, talk to my employees, what have you. Then you know you're in, you are skating on very thin ice. If you have that mindset and you do not have a process and a hardwire calendar where you are giving them time and it's treated like a stakeholders meeting, then that's one thing you can turn around immediately. Number two is the employee growth plans that I talked about earlier. Number three is having a daily huddle. Treat it like a huddle where so many law firms have said the greatest thing that ever came out of going virtual is Zoom, where they would meet every single morning with their coffee and their bagel or what have you and treat it like a locker room huddle before you're going on your Super Bowl playing field. Okay, what are your top three for today? Where are you jammed up? Where are you stuck? Where do you think that you're going to get stopped? What stopped you yesterday? How'd you do with what? And it's not from a place of shame and blame and finger pointing. It's from a place of deep curiosity to figure out, okay, this was my three goals for yesterday. I didn't accomplish any of them because this is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. You're coming from it from a R&D research and development and deep curiosity to be like, all right, Corey, you know, that's a third day in a row. You've said that we realize, you know what? We have a problem with the breakdown between the attorney paralegal role or from the receptionist to the whatever role. It is clues and it's a way to show you where you have holes in your organizational chart, your process, what have you. That is so insightful. Um, And I think such valuable advice that somebody can take that today and be like, okay, I'm going to implement these things and see a a change in real time and quickly. So when somebody is struggling to um, really understand or make the time for their employees, do you ever, do you ever give advice to outsource or do you think that there's always improvement that they can um, overcome those things that are making it difficult to keep a team? I always, always recommend outsourcing. Um, Even if your team is working swimmingly, um, if you're consistently doing a weekly stakeholders meeting or what have you, or you're having a revolving door in a certain position or within a firm, and you can confidently wholeheartedly say that you've given the training, you've given the resources, you've given what have you. I do recommend outsourcing, not not from a place of either or, but from a place of and, because especially in this day and age, 
where you can do a tremendous amount of outsourcing um, from a very cost-effective manner, taking off the training and things. Again, you still need to communicate. Even your outsourced people need to get that time, attention, feedback, what have you. I'm a huge proponent of it because I like outsourcing. And here's why I love outsourcing is because then the spotlight goes on you as the leader, as an entrepreneur, what have you, right? You're outsourcing. You have to pay that monthly retainer, or you have to pay that bill at the end of the day, or else you, you know, either if you don't give the person work because you aren't organized then you're throwing money out the window, right? Or in addition to, if you don't give them the proper time and attention, they're going to leave. So it, I love outsourcing because I think it's phenomenal accountability. Many, many of my law firms have said that they've outsourced drafting or they've outsourced different paralegal services or maybe client services, services, what have you, because they have to write that check every month. It's, it's, it's such an accountability for them and they feel it. And sometimes outsourcing is more expensive, which I love too, because again, it has a built-in accountability there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think something that is that can be really great about outsourcing is for those people that don't feel they have the time to spend training and developing people. But if you're outsourcing a service or with a company that does that, you're kind of just getting what you need with way less communication than you'd be required to give if you had an employee that needed to talk to you every day. So if somebody is like feeling like they don't have time for anything, then they have, it it almost wipes those worries away to outsource. I find that, um, fascinating, you know? Um, so what are the steps to really changing the way that your firm runs if you're so the first thing is implementing um or looking at yourself right and your motivation and and if you're feeling like you just don't have time for your people but then what comes next outside of implementing um the meetings and things like that what are the other things that people can do to make sure that their firm is running perfectly i think getting really clear on where your bottlenecks are This is always an exercise I take my clients um, through and I serve as a fractional CEO for a tremendous amount of law firms cross country of sitting down and doing what I call just a brain dump where, you know, at any given time, employee or entrepreneur, we're stressed. There's a high level of, you know, energy that comes with that. Number one, number two, when you find yourself feeling frustrated And that's just kind of, I always tell people it's expected as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, as an attorney, where you feel like, oh, nobody can do it as well as I can do it. And a lot of times it's because you're not even clear exactly what you want. And I do hear that from attorneys so often. So stop and just do a brain dump. You don't have to worry about making a perfect job description or onboarding process. And to your point, that's another reason to outsource. And just when you feel yourself with that bubble up effect where you are feeling frustrated or overwhelmed or stressed out, or like everybody's delegating back up to you, pull out an old school yellow legal pad, pull up a word document, whatever it is, and just start capturing everything. 
that is frustrating you or that you can't get to, or you feel like is beneath you in, in this, not from a place of hierarchy, but it's not a, your 80%. It's not the best use of your time. Do it for one week, Monday through Friday, simply, and just put it there. And right then and there, you will have clarity. There will be glaring clarity on what the next role is that you need to hire for. Legal assistant, paralegal, receptionist, follow-up, intake coordinator, whatever it might be, it's going to be very clear of what the theme is. And then from there, then it'll give you the clues of exactly what to do to relieve your frustration and stress. There is so much good that can come out of a good brain dump. (laughs) I love that advice. Um, When you're helping attorneys find staff, what is it that you're looking for in matching them? So this is, I love that you said, what is it that you're looking for versus what they're looking for? Because very often they do not um, match. And here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for uh, that the person comes batteries included. They might not have a specific skill set or knowledge and might need access to the attorney or firm to get that. But the language that they use and the way that they answer questions, it communicates like, yes, you get me. You understand that the stress that an attorney feels every single day or whomever position in the firm that I am, that they're able to complete a sentence and add to it versus one word answers. They have the ability, they come with already, you know, a chip. There is a chip that's in the DNA of somebody who has leadership mindset. I also look at their emotional intelligence and seeing how they can handle stress, how they can handle, you know, crucial conversations, so to speak, um, when they're, how they, how they will re respond to it or react to it. I look for their ability to project manage. I look for their ability and their mindset around having somebody's back and what it means to be the, you know, the production cop, if you will, for an attorney, regardless of what position they're sitting in, because it's a human stuff of why people leave. It's a human stuff of why people get fired very rarely. And, you know, attorneys are so seduced by resumes. I can't tell you how many people I'm like, I just zoomed interviewed this person. They're phenomenal. They'll be great for the position. And then they'll come back and they'll say, they didn't go to a prestigious enough law school. They don't have enough experience in X, Y, and Z area. Or why are you sending me this candidate? Because they've only been at this position for two years and It looks like they have a pattern of leaving every year, every two years or what have you. You don't know people's personal story. You have to give them a chance versus just when when I asked the person about their, especially since 2008, people are not necessarily job hopping. Companies are closing. Law firms are dissolving. You don't know what their personal story is. They might've worked in family law and realized 
They're more heart-centered. They're more driven by service. They just came out of the probate process after their father died. And now they're very passionate about estate planning. You don't know their personal story. And it's, you know, Simon Sinek always talks about your why and knowing your why. And you want to hire people that have a why that is so strong of why they're working in the legal space. Because let's all be honest, it's the toughest industry in the world. I mean, it is one of the toughest industries. There's a lot of attorneys are worried about malpractice and all the things that are rightfully so, but you really have to take, that's what I'm constantly, constantly looking at is somebody who's pretty close to being a lifer. You know, what's going to happen when you take this job and you get hit by a recruiter? Cause right now recruiters are, it's shark infested waters. You know, they'll do everything of sit in the parking lot, wait for your employees to come out and dangle a $30,000 a year, uh, sign on bonus check. The, the, the market's insane. It's never, ever, ever going back after COVID. Never, never. It's an employee market and is here to stay. People are putting their foot down and they want to be part of something that excites them, challenges them and inspires them. And so I would say you got to let go of the resume and you have to give people a chance. And if you're judging people by their resume and you're judging people by their credentials and what have you, you might really, really want to look at your business model and the culture that you're creating. I couldn't, I obviously couldn't have said it any better myself. You are the expert, <laughs> but I fully agree with everything that you just said. So I kind of want to transition a little bit and ask, how did you get to where you are in this space? And how did you get to be this expert of, you know, running the, um, running law firms and staffing them and ensuring that people are happy in their jobs? Mm. So, um, I, it was not an intentional move at all. I, um, moved from New York to Colorado at the tender age of 27 years old. And back then I opened up the classified ads in the hardcore paper and, uh, interviewed for a job. First job I applied for, I got, went in, got offered the job immediately on the interview. And it was a national legal organization. And, um, <clears throat> I got in there and they started a coaching program. First one in the history that I knew of in the legal space back in the mid nineties and, um, fell in love with attorneys. And because I could see all of the pain that they were in trying to do it all, trying to be control freaks for everything. And I go to the legal conferences, you know, way back then when we were traveling all over and going to legal conferences and, and I, the saying that I love in the coaching world is that learning happens at the bar and at the cocktail receptions and at the breakfast tables, because that's where you really hear about the, what's working, what's not working, frustrations, what have you. And I'd hear this constant theme where the attorneys were always saying, the business would be great, but for employees. And then you would go to the next table and the employees would say, business would be great, but for the clients, the clients keep interrupting us and we can't get our job done. I'm like, whoa, there is a massive miss here because the business owner really, when you broke it down to the root of it, 
wanted the exact same thing that the employee wanted. There just was, they, they were not speaking the same language. So I became very, very passionate about employees and for them to hear the makeup of a business owner, the makeup of an attorney, I'd, I would say, go around and shadow your attorney for one week and sit in everything that they do. And at the end, the employee was just in tears of just so much remorse, like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what they go through every day. And I was beating them up for not doing this and not doing that. And what have you, they didn't even get to use the restroom or have a glass of water and vice versa. I'd have the attorney go sit at your reception desk and go sit with them for one day even and see what happens at their desk. It's a dumping ground for everybody else's crap that they don't know what to do with. And so Really, I became very, very, very passionate about getting them on the same playing field. And I'm telling you, 28 years later, my job isn't any easier than it was on day one. In fact, it's almost harder because of this employee-empowered market right now. And I don't like the word, it's not entitlement. It is not about employees being entitled. They're empowered and they are emboldened from a place that they want to be part of something where they are making a difference. They want to be a difference maker. They want to be an impact maker, and they definitely want to be an income generator for their families and for themselves. So that's, you know, I just was always aware and deeply curious. And I think I was born that way. I know I was, my parents have told me that, and I didn't realize what a superpower it really is because it's just, you know, I heard a saying this morning of, um, you know, don't be angry about your past. Don't be fearful about your present. Just be aware of what's going on around you. So stop looking back, stop looking forward, continually look around, look around, look around. And I was like, wow, I, I inherently did that. And I think it's a superpower because people were saying the same thing. They just weren't saying it in a way that you know, spoken to the others, persons listening in a way to make a difference. You touched on something that I think is really important for any leader of a company to know, or the attorney, or whoever is working with people, that um, people that are really passionate about what they're doing, they're going to do a better job anyway. So mm -hmm. if you're making that easy for them to have the passion and you're making their job enjoyable, they're going to do a better job for you. So it's beneficial to everybody to make that happen and, and to get on the same page and, and cut out that disconnect of not understanding each other's jobs. Because when you're understanding and you can make it a better environment, then everyone's going to do better. The company's going to do better. Yeah. And Corey, you just taught, touched on something because at the end of the day, it's not even necessarily about doing better for me as the attorney or doing better for me as the employee boss, so to speak. But when I really would pay attention, I still hear this every single day. It's about doing better for the client and for the community, regardless of what service. I, when you wake up at two o'clock in the morning in a pool of sweat, it's about letting a client down, dropping a ball, what have you. And same thing for the employees. This was really fascinating to me because if you're really struggling with 
you know, how to make your employees peak performance, how to raise your profitability, whatever your concern is, start from the perspective of the client. What is a client experiencing when they come here? And sometimes, you know, it's not about us. And sometimes this helps de-energize a lot of, of the things that are, aren't working. If you can start with the client and the perception and what the community and the marketplace and whoever referral sources or whatever the makeup of your business is and start there, everything shifts. Yeah. And when you're um, focusing on the client experience, it's really noticeable how a client views their experience with a happy employee versus a, an a unhappy employee. Oh. And it makes it so much easier to deal with an issue or to give proper service or complete things on time when you're happy in your job and you feel fulfilled, you feel like your job is doing something to help the people that you're talking to you're going to do a better job in it. And then the client's going to have a better experience and they're going to tell everybody about it. And I think that's something that we've really learned at Betty's is our receptionists are able to answer the phone with a smile because they're happy to be at Betty's answering the phones to help these clients. They are happy to be that person to help bridge the gap and provide information or schedule appointments or whatever it might be because they like where they work. And sometimes it's important to be able to recognize when you need someone else to do that for you. You know what I mean? Oh, you, <laughs> you couldn't have picked the more most important role, Corey. And then that's why I love what you all do. And I always tell people the most important position in any business, especially a law firm, is your receptionist. They're your director of first impressions. If they do not do an amazing job answering the phone with a smile, where people will hire you if they feel like knowledge, understood, and appreciated, and they feel like you've just taken all their stress off of them when they hang up the phone, <clears throat> even after five minutes, four minutes, whatever it might be. Your job as the attorney is absolutely irrelevant if you are not having a receptionist that is passionate and excited about their job. Because guess what? The client's not going to schedule that initial consultation or what have you. And I, I just interviewed someone who does law firm secret shopping. And I love it because she talks about how she calls, Barry, if you're in uh, Denver, Colorado, like where I am, I'm going to call all the area, right? All your competition, including your law firm and do secret shopping, what have you, and figure out how you can stand out. And if you attorneys, I would highly recommend that you um, take that up and take that philosophy. And like Corey's saying, do an audit on your receptionist, start there in the experience, call your office from, you know, while you're driving into work at night, what have you, and just think of the client, close your eyes and think of how it lands for the client. Yeah, there's so such a huge difference between somebody answering, good morning, thank you for calling our law firm, how can I help you, versus somebody saying hello, or law mm. office, or whatever. And oh. we actually did, we did one of those audits, actually, um, on about 100 firms, and the number of people that answered with a simple hello was just mind-blowing. And then, the obviously, the ones that don't answer at all, 
that's (laughs) wasted marketing. You know, any, any marketing money that you have spent, you've wasted it when you're not answering the phone. So I'm done with my tangent. I'm off that, (laughs) but that's what really stood out to me about what you're saying is that when happy employees are interacting with the clients, it's going to be better for everybody. Absolutely. So, um, I have one more question for you and then, um, we'll let you get back to your day. But if you could go back in time and meet yourself when you first started hiring and empowering, what advice would you give yourself? Oh boy. I think the biggest piece of advice that I would have given myself is to hire a coach on day one. That is amazing. And we all see it in the um, health industry. We see it in regards to uh, the athletes and Uh, things of that nature, the peak performers are the ones that have accountability and consequence. I always, you know, I think you and I talked about this a little bit. I share with you, um, one of my favorite quotes is that if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room, so to speak. You, If you think you have it all figured out and you know, you know, what you feel like you know how to do it all, then that is a red flag for me. I always... There has to be somebody pushing you. There has to be somebody pointing out your blind spot, somebody asking you the powerful questions. If you want to grow and scale, you want to leverage, you want to optimize, you want to elevate, there has to be somebody there that's pushing you. And I don't mean in a brutality way where you're doing it just for the sake of growth, but somebody, you know, kind of holding your feet to the fire to make certain that you are looking at everything that's coming at you, everything that you're walking into and where the potential blind spots are. And, and also looking at how you're showing up as a leader. I think there's only so much that you can know. You don't know what you still don't know. And having somebody that can help you and show you the things that you don't know yet and still need to learn or work on is so valuable. And so underused. It's like such a, oh, it, it makes me frustrated every time I think about anybody who thinks that they know everything when they clearly don't, you know? And that's something about myself is once I get to that point of not knowing what's left to learn, I need somebody. I'm going to reach out to somebody who's smarter than me and, and figure it out. What, what am I missing? What am I still not knowing? Um, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, joining me on Solo De Facto. Where can our listeners find you? Oh, thank you for having me, Corey. Keep up the amazing work. Uh, my website is hiringandempowering.com. And um, the best way to stay connected is just join our blog or our podcast. We drop a new podcast every Tuesday and a blog every Thursday. And my sole whole attention is, you know, really my why of getting the attorney and the employees on the same playing field for being able to accomplish that common goal that they have, which is ultimately about the client and um, really doing amazing work that they're at the end of the day, when you lay your head down on your pillow that you're so completely proud of. And you are so talented in finding the things that people need to work on. And I can just, (laughs) every time I talk to you, I I love it. Um, And I'm actually excited to be on your show as well coming up. 
But um, this has been great. And if you have learned something or enjoyed this podcast, um, anyone listening, please share it with someone else who might get some value. If you know someone that you need to nudge them that they might need to work on how they manage their team, (laughs) just go (laughs) ahead and send this episode to them. Um, But that is all. We have another great episode of Solo De Facto, and I will catch y'all next time. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Solo De Facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist, helping you grow your firm one call, one chat, one new client at a time. To discover how they can help you grow your firm, head on over to backofficebetties.com and mention the Solo De Facto show for an exclusive listener offer.